Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler Podcast, a weekly travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. If you like having a cold beer while relaxing in your hotel room, we've got just the place for you that specializes in serving beer in your room. It's the Doghouse Hotel in Columbus, Ohio. It's operated by the Brew Dog Beer Company, so we'll learn more about that. Then a little bit later, we're going to chat with a company called 50 Degrees North about traveling to Iceland. But to begin, have you ever thought about volunteering your skills or your time in a foreign country but don't know quite where to begin? Well, there's a website called Go Abroad that can help you out. And the founder and president is Troy Petten. He joins us now on the phone to tell us all about Go Abroad. Hi, Troy. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Tell me how Go Abroad came about. Uh, We're 20 plus years old. We started uh, in 1997. It was the year that I was a uh, PhD student and I sort of became aware of the Internet. It had been around for a little bit uh, prior to that, but it was the, the time at which I understood uh, what was happening. Mm-hmm. It also was the same year that Council Travel, which was a former subsidiary of CIEE, quit publishing their directories, which were uh, things like the Volunteer Abroad Directory or Work, uh, Study, and Travel Abroad. And so the, you know, the timing of both uh, the opportunity through the internet and um, these sort of valuable resources going away. Uh, I was the the first study abroad uh, coordinator at the University of Colorado at Denver, and so I used those books uh, um, with my students, and we just saw a, a big need there. And um, I partnered with a couple students who knew some HTML, and now today, 21 years later, we serve about a million uh, unique users a month. And um, we're basically a directory of meaningful travel opportunities. So, yeah, you you kind of bring together the organizations that are looking for people to volunteer or help them out with people who are looking to do it, right? Basically. That's right. That's right. And there's all kinds of experiences. There's, you know, I'm looking on your website again, uh, goabroad.com. You can study abroad, intern abroad, volunteer abroad, teach, uh, all kinds of things. What is the one thing that you find most people are looking to do uh, using this uh, Go Abroad? I think it changes with time. It changes with uh, current events and so, you know, natural disasters obviously um, spark a lot of people's uh, motivation to go out and help. And um, also economy, you know, economic downturns drive a lot of uh, students towards internships. Uh, a lot of times uh, career people in North America are frustrated uh, and decide they're going to take a career break or maybe go teach abroad. So it, it changes from time to time. Study abroad is still in the U.S. It's in its infancy. In Europe, it's changing a lot with Brexit and mm-hmm. Erasmus and things like that. And it's growing a lot in, in Canada as well. Traditionally, Canadian students um, didn't uh, really get credit for studying abroad, so they did a lot more uh, experiential opportunities abroad or simply took a gap year. And you're seeing a lot more Canadian students doing uh, for credit opportunities, and then uh, older people volunteering, interning, working abroad. 
So, yeah, there is no real sort of age gap. Obviously, you have to be an adult, 18 plus, but uh, mm-hmm. there, it, it runs the gamut, doesn't it? It does. It does. And in fact, for some programs, you don't even need to be 18. The growth of uh, middle school or junior high study abroad or service learning uh, it, it is, is taken off. And then high school study abroad is also uh, a thing. And in volunteer programs, you'll see retirees. You'll see um, you know, homemakers, you'll see the lawyers, and you'll see high school kids mm-hmm. all working together on projects. So tell me how it works. Mm-hmm. So we're just an open directory, and uh, uh, somebody coming on our site might search by what they're interested in doing or a destination or a duration of time that they have or a budget, and then they would find uh, opportunities, and then they can either further research, they can save those opportunities in a dashboard uh, to compare them, or they can simply reach out to them and, and tell them what they're looking to do and find the, the, the program that's right for them. Mm-hmm. And the, the range is incredible. So you might volunteer with a local co-op in a village in uh, India, for example, or you might do something uh, that's quite established in uh, like the Peace Corps or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is quite simple. I just did it for an example, and I just chose volunteer. Mm-hmm. Then you pick your destination and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I picked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wildlife uh, sanctuary or whatever in South Africa, and it comes up. And it, I mm-hmm. mean, all the information is there. It's, it's really comprehensive. Mm-hmm. So what is, if uh, once you've done all this, is there are certain things that I need to know if I'm planning to do this that would help? Uh, there is a lot of content on the site. We have a, a team of a dozen writers, and then we have a writer's academy, and we have hundreds of other uh, travelers and local experts that write and develop content for us, which gives advice. The organization that you're going with typically would give pretty good orientation information, uh, visa information, uh, you know, how to pack, what to prepare for, medical and health uh, considerations and things like that. Well, it sounds like a fantastic organization. It's Go Abroad. The website is goabroad.com. Mm-hmm. Troy Pedden is the president and founder of Go Abroad. So uh, good work, Troy. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for the time. Well, if you like relaxing in your hotel room with a cold beer, I would think the best place to stay would be a hotel that specializes in beer making. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now there is such a place in Columbus, Ohio, called the Dog House Hotel, and it's operated by the BrewDog Brewing Company. To tell us more about it is Tanisha Robinson. She's the CEO of BrewDog USA. Hi, Tanisha. Hi, Randy. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Anytime you combine beer and uh, traveling and... Staying at a hotel, you got a pretty good combination. So I'm right. I'm in for that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, me too. Tell, uh, me a, tell me a little bit about, uh, first of all, let's talk about the beer. Let's talk about BrewDog, and then we'll get into the Doghouse Hotel. So tell me a bit of background on BrewDog. Yeah, so BrewDog was founded in 2007 by two dudes and a dog in a garage in the northeast of Scotland. Uh, Since then, uh, BrewDog has become the largest craft brewer in Europe, um, and we just launched operations in the U.S. uh, over a year ago, 
and uh, are making amazing beers. Uh, our most popular beer right now is called Elvis Juice. It's a blood orange and grapefruit infused IPA, which is absolutely fantastic. My my personal favorite of the of the summer is called Hazy Jane, which is a New England style hazy IPA. Uh, it's very juicy and fantastic. But uh, we are we're currently distributed in in. Uh, the, the Midwest and the Northeast in the United States. We're, we're in nine states right now, but growing fast. So how many different beers do you have? Um, well, currently available, uh, we have like four core beers, and then we actually have a pilot kit where we do experimental beers, and we release two beers a week off of that kit. Okay, well, now yeah. tell me a little bit about how the Dog House, Dog House Hotel uh, came into, uh, into uh, being. So BrewDog USA is a bit late to the craft beer party in terms of um, selling and making beer in America. And so we've really tried to make a, a splash with craft beer geeks. And we feel that the dog house um, creates an attraction that makes BrewDog USA, I, I might argue, one of the number one or the number one um, destination on the bucket list of anyone who loves craft beer. So this is the first hotel for BrewDog, right? This is our first hotel for BrewDog anywhere in the world. So tell me a little bit about how many rooms and, you know, what it's like, what the experience is like to stay there then. Yeah, so we have 32 rooms, um, and the hotel is actually inside of our sour brewery. So that's a pretty um, special feature. And um, so we have eight suites. Our brewmaster suite, which is my favorite room, actually um, has glass roller doors that open up into the brewery, so you can see the brewers in action uh, making making some great beers. Um, but instead of a reception desk like a normal hotel, we have a reception bar, so you, uh, you can wheel your bag in and check in and get your welcome beer. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> when you when you book a room, you can select a, a beer that you would like to have on draft in your room, um, which is a really amazing feature. Most of our guests sign up for that. And uh, we also have, I mean, my, my favorite feature probably is that we have um, refrigerators, mini fridges within reach of the shower for shower. So, <laughs> so you're never far never, from a beer, in other words. Never far from a beer in, this, in these rooms. And, I mean, and if you've never had a cold beer in a hot shower, it is... Uh, it's a, it's an amazing experience. Really? Oh yeah, it's awesome. Well, I can honestly say I've never had a cold beer in a hot shower. It's not the first thing <laughs> that comes to mind. But now I'm, I'm going to have to try it. You and, must try it, absolutely. And then we also um, have I would I would argue the best craft beer mini bar in each of the rooms where we've picked some of our favorite beers from all over the country. Um, so it's a pretty eclectic and pretty awesome selection of of beers um, in in all of the rooms. And so there's a you have a your own tap in in your room, right? Yeah, yeah. Nice, I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody gets to be their own bartender. It's great. Now, tell me about the surrounding area. You're in Columbus, Ohio. Why Columbus? Not that there's anything wrong with Columbus, but <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, Columbus is a, is actually a really young, up and coming, and dynamic city. There's a lot of universities um, in the Columbus area, so. Um, and it's, it's logistically really well situated, but the, the, the actual backstory is that one of our founders, James Watt came to Columbus, um, to check out some possible sites. And there were some other cities in the running as well. Mm -hmm. And he tweeted when he landed, he tweeted, Hey Columbus, 
where should I go for a beer? And before he grabbed his bag, he had over 500 suggestions and responses. <laughs> There's another idea I'm going to have to do now <laughs> next time I go somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Hey, where can I go so, for a beer just to test it out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, call, so he called Martin Dickey, our other founder, and said, Hey, Martin, I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I don't know what the plan is, but we're going to build our USA headquarters in Columbus, Ohio. And nice. so, uh, so we did. Nice. Well, I have to admit, I've never been to Columbus. I do know that you do. There is a hockey team there, Columbus Blue Jackets. After that, I really yeah. don't know much. So what is there some of the things to do and see in Columbus that's exciting? Yeah, so Columbus has uh, the number one zoo in, in the country, which is really, really fantastic. Um, they've got some amazing um, opportunities to see animals. It's close to something that resembles their natural habitat. We mm-hmm. actually have one of the country's best uh, public libraries, which is just a really beautiful building with some amazing features. And then for anyone that comes to Columbus in the fall um, during college football season, um, the Ohio State Buckeyes are a huge draw mm-hmm. and it's quite an experience for anyone that, anyone that comes. And then, you know, from a, for craft beer lovers, we have a lot of amazing breweries um, that are just putting out awesome beers. Seventh Sun, Rock Mill Brewery, um, Land Grant. So there's a, there's just a, there's a, it's a really good scene here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as far as the uh, Dog Host Hotel itself, where are you located within uh, Columbus itself? So we are um, we're in a, in a suburb of Columbus called Canal Winchester. So it's about uh, twenty minutes from downtown, and um, and yeah. But, but so Canal has like an old uh, downtown area, and it's got some cool little cafes and and things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not a it's not a far Uber ride into uh, into into Columbus. As far as amenities go now, I obviously have lots of beer to drink. Any other uh, things that uh, your guests can uh, take advantage of? Absolutely. So we have, um, maybe this this is not obvious, but we have uh, several dog-friendly rooms. Uh, On our campus, we also have a dog park and um, and then a 12,000-square-foot tap room and restaurant with um, an amazing food selection. And... um, we so Elvis Juice is as I mentioned um, our most popular beer, and we've developed um, soap and lotion on a grapefruit and blood orange infused <laughs> <laughs> um, hotel product. So uh, yes, yeah, so we've got a lot of really great features, and then we we also just recently launched the Brewdog Network because um, our founders were on a show called Brew Dogs for three years where they go brew really crazy um, collaboration beers. Like they made a beer at the bottom of the ocean and they made a beer um, on, a, on a fishing boat. And um, actually, one of the first episodes, they brewed a beer on a Zamboni machine um, <laughs> at, <laughs> on the ice at, uh, at Nationwide Arena. So that was uh, where, where the Blue Jackets play. So yeah. that, for, for all, you, all you Canadians, I think you'll love that episode. So, um, yes. <laughs> well, you already answered my uh, my million-dollar question was, do you uh, allow dogs? So you already have some dog-friendly rooms, but uh, when are you coming to Canada? Do you know? Um, so we uh, we, ha- we do, um, I think, ship some beer into Canada from Scotland, um, but we are looking at how do we figure out ramping up, bringing beer and uh, and our brew pubs to Canada. Um, so I've had a had a good the good fortune to travel a little bit in Canada and just really love it and, and think it's a great place. So Well it sounds like a fun place to stay. 
especially if you love beer, which I do. So uh, brewdog.com is the website. Uh, if you want to find out more about the Doghouse Hotel, it's brewdog.com slash doghouse. And Tanisha Robinson is the CEO of Brewdog USA. Uh, thanks for your time, Tanisha. appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Randy. Well, one of the more popular destinations that's emerged in the past few years is Iceland. More than 2 million visitors have traveled there last year. That's a jump of almost 25% from the year before. So to get some insight on planning a trip to Iceland, we are joined now by Tietze Stelma. He is the director of a company called 50 Degrees North. They specialize in trips to Iceland. Hi, Tietze. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, let's start this by uh, talking about 50 Degrees North, the company. You are the co-founder and president, so give me a bit of a history lesson on uh, 50 Degrees North and what you focus on and, and the company itself. Yes, uh, so 50 Degrees North is predominantly a, a specialist tour operator or a destination management company for the Nordic region. That is predominantly what we focus on uh, right now. Uh Myself, I'm Norwegian. I've founded the company together with my uh, partner in life and, and partner in business. Uh, and we started the company back in 2010. And uh, very funny, we actually started it in, in Melbourne, Australia, but have, uh, have since uh, grown and expanded and have uh, uh, moved our, our head office to, to Lillehammer in Norway and also have a, a sales office in Vancouver in Canada. So we uh, really, um, we're a, a big Scandinavian team uh, across the world. Um, most of our staff are, are, are Scandies from, from the north, far north, but many of us live overseas. Um, we absolutely love uh, our home region with passion, and uh, that's why we, uh, we've specialized in, in that part of the world and offer fantastic, authentic travel experiences in, in, uh, in the Nordic region, and including Iceland and Greenland. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems to me that uh, those destinations, when you're talking the, you know, the Nordic regions, uh, and in particular we're going to talk about Iceland here, but uh, it seems to me there's more interest in traveling to those areas. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, we, we do find that. We found that in the last uh, 10, 5, 10 years, we've seen a, a quite a big a jump in, in interest for the Nordic region and, and very particularly Iceland. Uh, Iceland has seen a boom uh, from taking about 500,000 people in 2010 to this year looking at 2.5 million people traveling to Iceland. And that's a lot for a little island of mm-hmm. 300,000 people. Uh, so tell me a little bit about Iceland itself. Uh, I've never been, so give me some, some basic sort of, uh, I don't know, advice on planning a trip to Iceland. Well, it's uh, it's situated right in the middle of the North Atlantic, and it's 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 an quite an amazing uh, opportunity for particularly uh, North Americans, Canadians to to come over this this way. I believe there are quite a few direct flights from uh, from Reykjavik with Iceland Air over to Canada and also North America uh, in general, uh, and it's a fantastic stopover destination on your way to. Uh, to Europe, uh, it has, has the Iceland there also has a fantastic network into into Europe. Uh, but it's a small island, and uh, but it's in- extremely 
a, a beautiful in many many areas. It's barren. It's in the middle of the North Atlantic. It does get a lot of wind and weather and rain. It's uh, it is the the, the, the true uh, the true heritage is a, is a Viking heritage. So they are rugged rugged people, but are beautiful people and uh, very traditional uh, and definitely a place worth visiting. So when you're planning uh, some of your tours here, obviously you want to hit the highlights. What would be, I I mean, you you do have a number of trips that uh, you offer here. What would be one sort of general overview that you offer? We feel that uh, uh, to to see Iceland um, properly, uh, you should should have 10 to 12 days. But uh, many people come, particularly from North America, come shorter. And uh, they tend to spend a lot of their time on the South Coast, which is a very picturesque part of part of Iceland. It is also the most, uh, um, the busiest part. We send a lot of people up on the, the north, on the northwest area of Iceland, the, the West Fjords and the Snæfellsnes Peninsula, which is a little bit off the uh, beaten track and a little bit away from the main crowds, which we really find is a, is a great way to travel. And also, traveling by self-drive car is a fantastic way to do it because you get the freedom uh, to travel and do travel at your own pace and explore. Uh, and we have a, a number of itineraries, self-drive itineraries, from down to five days, but also up to eight, nine, ten, eleven days if you want to explore more in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that north and um, northwestern coast, absolutely beautiful. Well, and exactly, we're not talking about a huge island, and I can't imagine the traffic is a real problem when it comes to self-driving tours, right? <laughs> No, absolutely not. It's, uh, I, I would say it's a really safe destination to drive in. Uh, roads are small, but they are good. Uh, and if you follow the main main areas, um, you don't don't need a four-wheel drive car. Many people ask that. If you want to go inland and do a more rugged itinerary and getting right away from, uh, from everything, then you need a four-wheel drive, and we can help with that as well. So now what uh, is included in most of your tours? Do you have meals in, included and obviously accommodations, right? Uh, in, in the whole Nordic region, we always have breakfast included in our state. Uh, and of course, car hire. We also provide you with uh, some, some guiding and, and, and uh, uh, tips and hints on, on where to go and what to see, including a guidebook and a GPS uh, is what you get. And then we often include activities. Uh, such as going into an ice cave or dropping into a, uh, a dormant volcano or uh, going uh, walking on a glacier or uh, seeing, uh, you know, going fishing or also all these fantastic uh, activities you can do. So is language an issue in Iceland? No, everyone speaks English, uh, so it's really easy to, to communicate uh, and so forth. And it's a very, very friendly people. So I'm looking at one of your tour- tours called uh, Best of Iceland. I, I, would, I would imagine this is 12 days. This probably touches uh, all the highlights that uh, you would want to see when uh, touring Iceland, yeah? I think that's an, a, a brilliant itinerary. And if you, if you have the time to come for 12 days, which I really, really recommend, you get all around the island, you stay in some amazing uh, quirky and, and, and beautiful accommodation. Nothing, nothing luxury. Iceland isn't for luxury. Iceland is for the one who wants to experience something unique and special. 
and um, uh, and that that best of Iceland at Tenerife twelve days is, is is very good, and I, I it's one of our best covers actually. We only have about uh, a minute or two, but what's what's some of the highlights that people uh, should maybe you know when you're on a self guided tour, obviously you're on your own time, but maybe you want to spend a little more time in in one place versus another. I, I think that if you have that that uh, that longer time, I think uh, spending some time on the south coast is uh, is fantastic. There's so much to do there with uh, with nature and uh, dipping into hot springs and so on. But also the far north coast and uh, the valleys and hidden hidden little villages that you find along the coast there, and go on a whale watching tour and so on. So that that north coast particularly, I really really uh, like, and I, I think it is a, it's got some beautiful scenery. So uh, just to, to, so I get this wrapped around my head here, it's it's a self guided tour, but yet it's it's planned out in the, in the sense that uh, when you are going on a specific tour, say whale watching, for example, you do have uh, people helping you out and and that sort of thing. So it's it's you get the best of both worlds, I guess, right? That's right. You get the freedom to explore and, and set your own pace on a on a for for you for you every day of your tour. But you get uh, the help of a local guide and all that local information you need when you do your your more adventurous uh, well watching or uh, walking on a, on a mm-hmm. glacier and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything? Uh, any advice that I, I might be missing for uh, someone planning a, a trip to Iceland? I think look at the seasons, look at the weather patterns, uh, and we'll help with that. Also look at the peak season and the and the shoulder season and the low season. I think October is a fantastic month to travel, and also May. It escapes that European peak holiday period, and it also es- escapes the, the stormy weather of December, January, which is also often wet and windy. Well, good stuff. Tietze Stelma is the co-founder and president of 50 Degrees North. The website, again, is 50degreesnorth.com. Thanks for your time, Tietze. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Randy. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in Iceland sometime soon. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. We want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute and rate the show. You can leave us a review, tell a friend about the podcast, and if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.